think that some people are just better at maybe not listening to it. And by sitting down with those people, asking them questions, and then you know, recording it and blasting it out on the internet, it helps. Maybe I can help other people like get out of around way. Hey guys, welcome to Closure Optional. My guest today is Shane Hunter. He's a stand-up comedian from Brisbane, and he's currently touring a new show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival next month and the Sydney Comedy Festival the month after that. He is a very funny and smart person, and this is a long, rambling conversation that we have about what it means to be a self, what that means in the greater scope of society, and um, how your posture, or specifically my posture, can reflect your inability to believe in yourself. Hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Hi, Shane. Hello. How are you? Good. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you. <laughs> so close. It is. So originally we were going to have two mics, but then Lorna pretended the other mic wasn't working <laughs> as an excuse to get close to me. <laughs> it's very intimate now. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that's recording good. See? Yep. Look at that. It's good. Um, so anyways, you were telling me about um, what it feels like when your soul bleeds out of you. Your, all of your self-esteem bleeds out of you. Like we, we were talking right about stand-up comedy as a, a, a precarious art form. So mm-hmm. with a lot of occupations, so if you're a plumber, you develop your skills to the degree of competence, and then you can go plumb. You can go fix pipes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. While with comedy, because it has a, high, a less... Even if you get somewhat competent, it can still be hard to have 100% consistency. So I've been doing it 10 years, and I, I say a lot of the time I'm very consistent, but occasionally I'll have a gig where I will completely fail in my responsibilities, <laughs> and I'll go from being an avatar of the god of comedy, communing um, with people as a medium for that god, where people give you adulation and affection and um, celebrate what you've done for them, you, to failing that and you become a crazy person just saying random sh- strings of words um, where you go from being that, that avatar of the god of comedy to becoming a predatory snake in the room that makes everyone feel uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. and unable to predict um, whether or not they can trust you. So one of the things you subconsciously look to when you um, encounter a new person is trying to categorize them so you can predict that behavior and you can have a degree of certainty. So um, when, when that, imagine if, say, someone, a friend introduced you to someone, for that first moment you've got a bit of trust for that new person, but in, if they just started saying random series of words that were, I guess, uncomfortable and shocking and dark and 
maybe slightly suicidal <laughs> and then they just kept saying those things uncontrollable and then got upset that you didn't like what they were saying <laughs> and started blaming you for for them not liking it um quite quickly you would you that person would um go from being a human being in your brain to being a threat yeah so the part of the brain responsible for looking at predatory threats um would activate and you would feel increasingly anxious to the point where maybe the parts of your brain that um deal with killing those predatory threats would start activating mm-hmm. and then you would start to get hostile because you would feel that threatened and you would start yelling at them and that's called heckling in the <laughs> yeah. comedy world is that what goes on in a heckler's and, mind and so unlike other art forms like say plumbing um it's rare that a plumber will have a day where they um you know oh they get a job to fix a shower and instead they don't they don't fix the shower they just start fucking with the sink and make it worse <laughs> and then they go oh look i'm sorry most of the time i can fix the shower like today <laughs> i just wasn't able to fix the shower i'm sorry and then and then they still expect to be paid and called a plumber yeah right so i feel like with comedy there's a high level of existential crisis um at least if you're in a fight and you and you you fight um unless you do really below what you know you're capable of at least you go oh well i tried i I did the best i could yeah but it doesn't feel like that at the time man like and, and that's really interesting like that you said that thing about them turning their like predatory instincts on it's 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 almost like the opposite with a fighter is like you feel weak like that you should have turned your predatory instincts on you should have been ready like oh, you i just meant brought, the crowd turns, that's what i mean right so the crowd looks at you like with pity right like you're not you're not a threat anymore you're you're so embarrassing well this is how it feels as a fighter being the one who underperformed obviously mm. people in the crowd are still like whoa they got in the ring whatever but really if everyone's really honest the truth is they look at you and go well yeah well you definitely you do pretty weak there definitely is an element of pity that you do get from punters who will go oh you got up there like like some people the one of the worst things to hear from an audience after a gig is like mate takes balls to get up there (laughs) (laughs) do you know what i mean like that that's the people who kind of you know will pity you and and kind of understand well at least they tried or whatever they're probably good people but that is one of the most crushing things to hear yeah because you might take balls to get up there it's just like the ultimate you are so shit at what you do Oh, it's the worst, man. Like, that that would be the worst thing to put on a poster for a comedian. Like, because comedians <laughs> will put quotes on their posters. And, like, yeah. takes balls to get up there, like, random punter. <laughs> he gives it a good go. Yeah. <laughs> At least you tried. Mm. Yeah, man. Well, I think, like, that, and that's kind of what my original point was, that it's, that stand-up comedy is just you, literally, on your own and your own thoughts, in your own head and shit that you worked on that you wrote that you thought you'd come out in the world to say mm. and there's, I think there's no um, it's it's when it's all on you there's nothing to fall back on yeah. do you know what I mean like if you're playing a team sport the the probability of isolating that you're the sole cause factor of why the team lost is a lot less than with comedy yeah because it's all up to you yeah do you know what I mean like people will still find a way of, of blaming the crowd or, or the room or the environment and that's the wrong thing and we can talk about the deferring of responsibility later perhaps <laughs> but yeah generally you know you fucked up and it's all on you and oh it's crushing well what do you think that is about the deferral of responsibility like why is it so hard to be responsible for yourself 
because the, the because of the the crushing pain it brings. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's if you if you blame if you take it all onto yourself and go, no, I'm the reason my life is shit. It's a lot harder because then you have to look at the mistakes you've made and admit that the one you have to face with the fact that maybe I'm a complete failure and I'm. You have to contend with the possibility that you're such a failure that you're just. Uh, you're just only human weakness and your your brain and your very being is just not good enough or up to it yeah. right so the, the idea that you just don't have enough talent to do whatever you're doing enough raw ability and that you should just go mop floors <laughs> if that and be lucky to mop floors and then the the other one is contending with the fact that you've made the wrong decisions so you've spent too much time doing the wrong shit and then you have to confront with the fact that the possibility that maybe you're a lazy worthless piece of shit who squandered all their opportunities which is a crushing feeling um well and why don't you you know what i mean like so because i know i i can imagine that that must be an insanely crushing like horrendous feeling when you when you, like so you get this moment of like total worthlessness well, right you well, have a shitty one game. thing that happens with comedy is, comedy is that like you'll you'll occasionally so there's a comedian uh, i was talking to um luke joseph ryan who's you know a, a competent comedian but he did the adelaide fringe so most of the time in a good comedy environment he'll do well like in a good room right but he did the Adelaide Fringe Festival so he was having shows to maybe eight people some of these nights or less um, which is quite hard to get enough of rolling laughter so the time between laughs and you say your next bit is shorter because there's less people which is less time for you to think and less time for you to relax so the you having to work a lot harder and he said that some nights he'll do really well and they were like really enjoying him and other nights it was just an hour of death <laughs> and to the point where like the audience like you felt that they were hostage and they were trapped there and um so oh, God. so 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 it, it, that can be one of the worst things because basically you have to update update your model of behavior so if you do something wrong you go oh well i'll change this and i'll have a better model of behavior but when you get validation one night for that same model and then the other night the model's wrong, that can drive you insane because you don't wow. know, it's hard to detect the variables that you that you can change. With everything, like, so what confuses me about some people and why, why some people, like, make it in the arts or make it in stand-up or make it in anything is that, like, there are some people that don't stop when shit feels soul-crushing or, or you feel insane. Like, so you have that moment where your model, you thought your model worked, one night you're killing it the next night you do the exact same thing and you fucking completely eat shit Mm. so then what happens after that like what what is it about the thing that makes you keep going Uh, I think it's a multitude of uh, variables that can affect people differently and I think these variables might interplay Um, so one possible variable is delusion Um, (laughs) so if people are delusional enough it can be just enough for them to um, keep going and to the point where they might develop the skill set because they're so insane that they're not getting the message from the universe to stop. Yeah. So they'll keep going. I think I've certainly had traits of that and, and hopefully we'll continue to have elements of healthy delusion. And um, <laughs> But I think... I think, uh, I think some people call that hope, Shane. Yeah, <laughs> some people call it hope. Well, I think people can have a... Uh, hope might be different because you might have a more objective sense of self and then know that if you do the right behaviors um 
to develop the skill sets, you might have a chance. That's hope. Well, I feel some people might think that they have a down pat and then they go back themselves and they keep doing it and then uh, they yeah. slip through. One yeah, of those sperms yeah. will make it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, you know, there might be a delusional person at the bar who keeps going up to women until just the variables of the odds of the universe that that woman is in a low point. Um, she's horny and she's drunk. But he's like, yeah, I'm going to shit, man. <laughs> and then he gets to have sex with them, and then that will be evidence he'll use to prop up his delusion. Well, and there's an odd thing about this, too, is that when someone believes in their own confidence enough that it actually can, like, you can actually sell yourself to somebody else. Mm. Like, if somebody walks up and they've got that much confidence, you're kind of like, well, there must be something. I find it very hard to um, do the marketing side of comedy because I have um, so much contempt for what I'm doing and yes. where I'm at. Yeah, um, and that can... But you have to remember, you have to do it out of spite for the delusional people who are putting themselves forward. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the only way you can manage it. Yeah, um, so you just have to... Like, I before I promote my, my stuff, I just spend 10 minutes thinking about the arrogant pieces of shit out there pandering their snake oil. Yeah. And then go, well, my snake oil might be crab oil. It's certainly not <laughs> ideal, but crab oil is better than snake oil. So I'll keep pouring my shit out. But um, because I feel like there's some people, I thought I had years ago, so some people had an accurate self-image that would immediately kill themselves. Yeah. So I think um, delusion can also be a, a fallback mechanism. Um that people need to persevere. Well, man, that's what this guy's kind of talking about. Uh, not necessarily delusion, but this is what Richard Rorty's talking about in that book that I'm just reading, Achieving mm. Our Country. He's saying um, like that the creation of a nation state is basically the same thing as the creation of a self. And you can't be all self-loathing. You, can't, you have to be able to like forgive your... Shit side. Yeah, like all the shit that you've done in the past, you have to be able to forgive it a little bit in order to have enough hope to keep yeah, achieving I mean, the future. I like think I think a lot future. of people will condemn like a lot of Western civilization because they go, "Oh, look at the wars, look at the colonialism," and it's, I think it's good to look at that shit. But I think people use it as um, an excuse to condemn the society because they're unhappy with their lives and they blame the society. But then they well, confuse yeah. that narrative with the underlying maybe um, downtrodden nature of, say, indigenous people or people at the bottom of that society. So I would say that half, maybe, you know, some percent of the time it's out of legitimate concern, then the other half of the time it's a convenient excuse. And that is that other thing we were going to talk about, about deferring responsibility and not take that burden on. Yeah, well, and that's what he's talking about. It's like that we went from being... So when you when you are, are a self or even a country that is has such a reprehensible past that you can't see, <laughs> you that you you just look at it and go, nope, we're all fucked up. The, the only way we got here was through murder and destruction. And so we there is no reason to take pride in our country or ourself. And then, so fuck it, what's the point of going any any further forward? There's no reason to change. Because we the reason that we even exist here today is because we fucked up. Mm. And so just because of that, like from that point, you're exactly right. That then immediately all hopelessness takes over and then you just sit there spinning your wheels complaining about why everything's wrong. Mm. So that's a good point. Um, the, the, the nation state is comparable to the self in a lot of ways. It's I, so interesting, man. It's I, a great I think, I think idea. of that a lot of the ways, like the way that our brain is like a parliament. 
and we're constantly like debating in our own heads and chucking tantrums and one party will become dominant and yeah. then there'll be like lobby groups that bribe the politician and there'll be like the bad habits that we're addicted to <laughs> yeah. they'll like bribe us dopamine and they'll go oh you want some fucking dopamine lie on the couch yeah. And the politician will go, yeah, it'll help me get elected next time or whatever, and it'll, it'll take the bribe. Yeah, well, is that with, like, that great movie? Um, I don't know if you've seen it yet. It's it's on Netflix. It's called Inside Out, and it is a kid's movie about a girl who moves with her family. And it's an animated film, and the characters inside it are just the elements of her psyche. So she's got a fear. She's got anger. She's got joy. Pretty cool. It's really cool. It's so cool. But So it's essentially, like, all of these little... Um, I guess emotional states or whatever are conglomeration of memories and then they know when to enact like so at certain points when you get hurt or somebody does something mean to you your anger and your they sadness come out of the come up yeah. because they've been triggered by the memory or whatever so they, they're a conglomeration of these mm. memories and they have all like all of them are appropriate at certain situations but then when some of them take over and drive all the time then suddenly you're out of balance and you've got this just angry thing running your machine all the time or whatever i know the feeling (laughs) happens sometimes yeah but so um so that that's what he's talking about with this if our self or our nation doesn't have a overarching goal or purpose for its politics or its movement going forward then stagnation there's stagnation because exactly well, western, everyone just argues well, I, I would suggest that western civilization has no goal at the moment there's well, no it, there's no vision of the future there's no point do you know what I mean at least like at least but like at least the, um, say the British Empire like their goal was to dominate the world it's a kind of a shitty goal that resulted in a lot of death or whatever but um but like, at least I, I had a goal. <laughs> like at least they, at least I able to do something. Now it's sort of like just this, um, yeah, this this stagnation, this directionless void, and and it's resulting in like substance abuse and nihilism and totalitarianism. Oh man, Johan Hari's so good. He's so so good talking about that shit. The that guy that's an addiction specialist oh. on Joe Rogan's podcast. I gotta get into that. Yeah, he's great. Do you ever get to that point where you just, like, can't stand your own fucking voice about your own self anymore? Um, I've been at that point for years. <laughs> um, and you're just pushing through? I'm just fake it till you make it, baby. Get in there. <laughs> spin around that pole. You're going to be a star, sweetheart. <laughs> no, porn's going to get you on the big screen. This is how all the movie stars started. Yeah, they do. Well, they usually have a sex tape, and then it will get you a reality TV show. Man, I That's keep releasing sex tapes and no one's sharing them. Nobody's into it, huh? You know? Yeah, well. Well, I mean, you know, maybe I need other people in the sex tape. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I was, uh, I told you that I did that thing, that self-authoring thing, Jordan Peterson self uh, self-authoring, fucking hell, self-authoring suite. Yes. And uh, one of the elements of it is that you have to, like, just write out your future. Mm. And one, so the first part of it is writing out your future goals and, like, what you want out of your life. And then the second part is to write what you don't want. Yes. And my God, like, so, so I'm. So you're t- being double penetrated. Oh, in a from, sense, both from the negative and the positive. Literally being put on the spit by the two most terrifying options on possible. Nice. And um, so one, so the the future that you so you kind of it sneaks up on you because he's asking you for goals and ideas and directions and what do you think are your benefits and stuff and then he's like, all right, just write out your ideal future. You've got fifteen minutes. Just go. 
and yeah. don't edit, don't self-edit it. You know what I mean? Just, just write. Let it come. Let it and ah oh, man, it was so hard. I'm just sitting there going, well, I don't know. It'd be cool if people listen to my podcast. I just want, I want what the world will let me have rather than like, I'm going to go out and take it. Cause I don't know what I want. I think, um, it's got to do Excuse with maybe you. the left brain, right brain stuff. Yeah. So apparently, um, according to Shane's pseudoscience, mm. um, the right brain is responsible for threat detection. It's responsible for like more creative shit. It's um, re- uh, responsible for more holistic thought. So like seeing the big picture. Um, it's it's uh, do I say threat detection? <laughs> it's responsible for negative emotion. While the left brain is um, uh, more responsible for goal orientation. Um, so. Say in nature and amphibians, the right hemisphere of their brain will be like, oh, who's going to eat me? And the right left brain's like, who am I going to eat? Yeah. And then, um, so the left brain's also responsible for, like, logic. Um, it's responsible for language. It's responsible for, um, like, linear thinking. So step by step, boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. It's more, um, like, goal orientation. So it's more discriminating all the bullshit noise to find a target yeah. and aim at it. Um, so like hunting, um, it is, uh, responsible for positive emotions. Now, if you're overactive in your right brain, it could stand to reason that you may be higher in neuroticism because you're able to, you have this super active right brain that's seeing threats everywhere. While people who have way more left brain as the dominant, they're like, I can't even perceive many threats. I've got this weak right hemisphere and this beefy left brain that's just like discriminated reality is on target mm. and so one of the kind of jokes i make is there's this two gr- comedians i really like and enjoy um you know not that they're you know and my my estimate is that um ben darso is a very kind of um stoic hard working kind of comedian he um his comedy is great, but I wouldn't say it's as abstract as maybe some of the brain, more right brain style comedians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he's been able to pay off a mortgage. Um, he seems like he's very organized and um, he, he, he likes, you know, when I talk to him, because we adapt our conversation with everyone, he likes clear, logical things when I talk to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And, he, and yeah, he's, he's a good dude and, and People should Google him or go see him or whatever. And then um, another friend of mine, uh, Nick Sun, <laughs> is a creative genius. He's able to generate these amazing abstract ideas. He's able to make these amazing leaps um, mentally and, and philosophically um, and, and talk in a realm of abstractions um, and, and live in that realm more than most people. But I feel that he amongst he, other realms, amongst other realms, exactly. <laughs> and uh, but my, but the, maybe the downside of that is he hasn't been able to pay off a mortgage. <laughs> he um, I think maybe experiences more negative emotion than maybe some of those left brain people. Yeah. And uh, and um, yeah, and I think that he really likes a lot of things too much to the point where he can't discriminate. Right. And I feel that. Um, so like his interests will shift Mm. and I feel the same like I will come up with a plan and then I'll fall in love with a new plan because I see all the possibilities yes and then I'm like a like a polyamorous slut like I'm an idea (laughs) slut like I'm going around 
Um, but then, like, I'll lose interest, and like the other idea will be like, "What about me?" It's like you had your chance. Mm-hmm, I'm moving on. Yeah, Mama's going to get some. Yeah, oh, completely, man. This is like that's the story of most creative people's lives, and that and this is the thing. My trainer Iggy talks about this a lot, and he said the distinction, the only difference there is focus. That we all have, because we're creative people, you're always looking for, oh, what could I do? Oh, that would be cool, that would be cool, that would be cool. But then as soon as it has to, you bring that idea into reality, you actually have to come face-to-face with the fact that the idea you thought you had didn't really work as you imagined it to work. Mm. And in order to get it to work, you have to kind of sit down and rethink it Mm -hmm. and keep working and bring it into reality. And this is where I... Oh, man, I struggle with this constantly. This is why I always jump from one thing to the next. Like, oh, I'm drawing today. Oh, no, I'm making a podcast now. Oh, no, I do a web series. But that, um, one of my last videos I, I talked about that was like a big elephant sculpture that was covered in sperm. Yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, you remember that one. It was from a long time ago. But the idea was that, like, I think in order to bring that potential chaos from the other world, you have to make a sacrifice in the immediate present. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's really hard when you get to that point of making the sacrifice to actually make that sacrifice and and commit Mm -hmm. and stay going forward. Yes. Nobody wants to make that sacrifice, especially people that... Because you you have to cut off the other possibilities. Yes, exactly. So uh, for us, a sacrifice isn't... um, I don't know, any of the normal kind of, like, oh, a comfort and a mortgage and all that stuff, because that's kind of never been something that you cared necessarily about growing up, because what you care about is possibility. Most people that are really left-brain thinkers would be like, I can't lose my stable job, I can't lose my stable wife, I can't lose my stable car, whatever those normal, stable, logical, nine-to-five things are. But for me, if I lose all of that shit, I, I couldn't give a fuck. I'll quit my job in a second. Not my current job, I really like what I'm doing now, but, like... You know, anytime I've had one of those admin jobs, it's like, oh, no, I get the fuck out of here in five minutes. I don't care. Because mm. that doesn't, that's not a sacrifice to me. What is a sacrifice is, like, all of my infinite potential. Like, I could be a movie star. I could be a podcaster. I could be an artist. You know, like, those are my ideas. So I can't let any of them go. So instead, I just swim in this pile of my own bullshit. Mm. Not, And I just, like, go and kind of do a little bit of all of them. Mm. And never get any good at any of them. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think it's about trying to find balance between the two. I think, you know, left brain people could probably benefit from, um, you know, going, doing ayahuasca, the powerful hallucinogen, um, or, or they might benefit from doing an art class or, or yeah, some shit sure. to get them outside of that crap. While a right brain person, you know, probably needs to sit down and look at some spreadsheets and get real. <laughs> yeah, really acknowledge Just it. fucking look at the maths, mate. Look at the numbers. Well, my my friend Justin that I did my podcast with before, he it was something so stupid, and I just don't know why I never thought of it. He's like, oh, I just book my time out on my calendar and set alerts for myself. So when it's time for me to do something, yeah, my, easier my said than done, cunt. Um, no. Sorry. <laughs> it isn't, Shane. That's your doubt. That's your fucking sabotage. That's your negative. Threat it's detection not, part of the brain. It is so easy. I sit down once a week now, and I just make myself my list. Mm. And obviously my job, I'm also a personal trainer, so I have to organize my clients. So it's not just me that has to organize my time. I have to organize other people's time around my time with my time. And I have to make a budget to make sure I can pay my bills that week. Mm. So I can't be a fuck up. I'm about to live with another person that is dependent on me paying half of the rent. You know what I mean? I can't just be this, like, drifting, floaty fuck-up. Mm. And I think that's one of my... So when I was talking about that self-authoring thing, and they said, you know, describe your 
personal hell pretty much. Like what is the worst outcome for your future? What mm. would be the worst thing that could happen? And it's me being this like just waste of space, fat, exhausted, in pain all the time because I never take care of my body. I never put anything good into my, like, and I completely, I regret everything I ever did because I never pursued what I wanted. Mm. And I'm mad at everybody who's ever succeeded. And I always tell stories about the times I could have been, you know, like, (laughs) remember that time I was a Muay Thai fighter? Remember that time I weighed 60 kilos and not 912? You know, like that thing that all the time you see people that are just... If you're not 112 kilos... (laughs) That's an achievement because you're, <laughs> you will be the fattest person who ever lives. Well, at least you're known for something. And, like, that's yeah. all I want is just to be acknowledged. Oh, that poor heart <laughs> pumping through that 900 oh, kilo. Oh, God. <laughs> it's torture, man. And I couldn't imagine anything worse than just being this, like, a, and a person that takes from other people because you don't have your own shit together. Mm. That And this has been me a lot. Like, I, I feel really, like... I, I kind of had to have a little talk to myself the other day because it's like I'm taking from other people a lot. A lot of people help me all the time. Mm. And I am so disorganized and so stressed about my own future and my own life that I don't really know how to give back to anybody in a mm. meaningful way at all. So then I was realizing, like, holy fuck, if I continue down this track, all I literally am is a sponge just sucking off of everybody else around me, just collecting, 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 and then never achieving anything my, on my own. Mm. And the only reason we contribute to things like... Um, donation like what we ever donate to causes and stuff is because we're like oh we want to boost guilt. this thing up this is guilt <laughs> a lot of it it had to this guilt but it's trying also, to bribe reality I'm well like, you want to feel good about yourself I mean, a little bit I'm sorry I'm a piece of shit here you go yeah here's a little I've done my part <laughs> but it's because that thing represents something that's a little bit greater than you for a little while yeah and I think like you can only be a charity case for so long until people are like no, you're not doing anything greater mm. than you. You literally are. You're just, a mouth. You're, you're a, a mouth fucking mouth. You're sucking life you're a, into ma- you're a mouth and an asshole. <laughs> and you what you're shitting out isn't shit. worth. Isn't worth the money that I'm about to give you, so you don't anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a fucking, it's a gross position to but be. Like, I couldn't imagine I think worse. of it like this, you know. So I feel like the reason I got into the ideological hell and like people will take like over the top belief systems or political views is because our brain is like a courtroom um, but it's missing elements do you know what I mean like we'll have the judge and then we'll have the prosecutor but we might lack the defense lawyer yeah so when you say all the shit in your head like I'm a piece of shit I can never do anything blah 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 you don't have your own defense lawyer go oh you're not a complete piece of shit your honor <laughs> um, so you know what I mean so you kind of you know, lose a bit of grounding in reality because you're you got this amazing persecutor, but you don't have a defense lawyer. Why is it so hard to see ourselves? I think it's that we our brain. It's interesting. I think it's um. I think you know we'll we'll, we'll get hurt in one direction, and then that pain will overwhelm, and then we we won't look for the things that we're grateful for to balance it out because i think evolutionarily we have to look at the threats right but um yeah and, and then you can you, you know one of the best things for neurotic people is having a relating to a goal that you think is meaningful and then obviously it, people will be prone to addiction and stuff if they're really open-minded really interested in a lot of things and then they um they're not able to lock down that stuff and relate to that goal so you don't get any of the left brain positive emotion you're just sitting there seeing all the demons popping out everywhere in your, in your right brain 
and then uh, and then and then you know to to counteract that that horrific pain, you know you you might choose that um, button relief of procrastination or, or drowning out your consciousness with drugs or, or, or you know Netflix or garbage um, to the point where it, it's stopping you completely from relating to that that goal. And uh, my observation is that when you go for instant pleasure or these pain relief stuff. If you do it too much, essentially what you're trading is self-esteem for pain relief. Yeah. And then it makes it even more painful. Yeah. It does, man. I um I trade it for food, for gratification and training, like all of that stuff. It's It doesn't even have to be... It, it can be anything. It can be gossip. It's the same shit, man. Mm-hmm. And that's the funny thing about it is like every time you do one of these things that's instantly gratifying or is it, you yourself always knows that you're fucking up. Mm-hmm. Yourself always knows that. So every time you fill it up, you are creating a bigger hole. Yes. So we're we're very aware of that. But why can't we see ourselves? So like I, I'm fully aware that I'm being a fraud, but I still can't really see myself. What, what fraud in what way? Like, um... Oh God! Well, in every way, like all the time, you're always a bit of a fraud. Like, yeah, but I that, think that's the that's the one part of the yin yang thing. Do you know what I mean? You're not just a fraud. No, surely, there's a little white dot there of authenticity. Yeah. Well, I guess what I mean is that when. Do you know what I mean? Like you're like an ISIS extremist, but instead of um, Allah, it's self hate. <laughs> yeah. Like, we need to, this person is evil. Instead of, like, the people chanting, like, death to the U.S., you're chanting death to yourself. Death to me. Yeah, she's useless. Oh, I know. Those are in my, on my gross days, like, on a day, usually if I've had a bad diet and definitely not been taking good care of myself, that's the way I feel. Like, I'll wake up in the morning and just be like, no, not today. And I don't know why. Um, there's nothing particular that makes me feel that way. It's just like... Well, it's also you get good at what you practice at. You get good at what you practice at. So I think what happens is is our brains develop certain modes of thinking, um, usually related at childhood. Mm. So, you know, like they tend to say, like the more you kind of maybe start to hate yourself at an early age, the the more neural pathways you have to correct and to balance out. Um, So, for example... um, you know, like, you know how you learn a language better when you're young? Well, I, I suggest that you can learn to hate yourself better when you're young. Yeah. Okay. You, the language of self-hate, like, you're able to learn it. Um, and then you keep practicing and practicing, and you become like a um, like a savant. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mozart was great at music because he started so young. His parents <laughs> yeah. were music instructors. And there's some people whose parents hate themselves and then hate their kids, and then they teach their kids how to hate themselves, and then that kid will practice that every day real hard until they're like the Mozart of self-hatred. Yeah. Why do you think that there's dogs that walk around that hate themselves? Dogs? Yeah. I think if the... Uh, it's, you know, obviously they, they can't articulate things like our brains can, but I think they might experience negative emotions to the point where, like, yeah, dogs can be traumatized, and then their neurons are fucked and they only see the threat and the negative and then they just want to bite everyone and then they need to get put down. Do you think that, like, well, I wonder, like, what is it? Is it a different thing of a human animal? And I guess we could never really ask another animal to know that we actually turn on ourselves. Like, are there many animals that turn on themselves? 
I know animals right. that, that become damaged that turn on other animals, for sure. Like, that makes perfect sense because it's really... They don't have the um, opposable thumbs to stab themselves. Is that what it is? Yeah. Is that all it is? Yeah. Um, I think that would be a great title for a book. Our animal suicide. <laughs> yeah. And then have a picture on the back of the book, like me, just with my chin up. Looking all distinguished. Oh, so distinguished. Um, yeah, that's the worst picture ever. I think that's the worst picture I've seen in a Why Why is it the worst picture? I don't know. I just don't. I just don't like um, the pompousness of the picture. It just seems so wanky. You but think the, it's... But the, 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 could that just be the um, cynicism? No, I mean... Do you know what I mean? Because, like, there must be someone throughout history that would deserve to have their shit up like that. There must be someone somewhere at some point who actually, no, you put your chin up, you've you've done well. Chin up, mate. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Am I just cutting everybody down? Or is it because you just... Like, obviously, we we have our own value structure and and we don't like things outside of it, and you would never do that because you hate yourself. (laughs) And then you've just projected that and you go, that's wrong. Okay, that's wrong behavior. Put your head down. Like if you had a, do you know what I mean? Like someone who had like good left brain shit going on and, you know, your your equivalent of you who's like left brain, who's got like, you know, like a nice family and is happy to work some bullshit job as a clerk and, and has a boring husband and they just have like, you know, they have like a re- routine for the time and when they have sex and, the, and they have like three positions. They rotate every five minutes. Like they live right on the on a harmonious plan um she would look at a book that you've written that you won't she'll she'll never see it because you only made one copy and then you decided it was too shameful <laughs> to put out there but then she'll see it in the in in the in the trash bin somewhere and she'll see a picture of it and you've got your head down <laughs> and she'll go that's disgusting that's the worst that's picture the worst ever <laughs> No, I just think that um, nobody deserves to look like that ever because I think that um, I just don't, I don't really see the point in being something other than like what your natural body would do normally. You I think it's inauthentic? Yeah. I just but, but, inauthentic. But, it, but sometimes people do have their chin up. Like sometimes that is a natural thing. Yeah, I guess I just know. Like, because like, you know, like your posture generally isn't the most upright. And that's related to maybe self-esteem and patterns. Like yeah. it can be based on you know spending too much time hunched over a computer or whatever, or sitting too much. But it could also be a result of low self-esteem. Yeah. Like when I try and correct my posture, which is um, one of the advices in that book we're talking about with the photo, um, <laughs> Jordan that 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 can kind of trick you into um, first of all your nervous system will respond better and you'll have more self-esteem and it'll be better for your organs and your muscles and stuff. But then similarly, other people will look at you and they'll go, well, there's a greater chance that at least that they seem comfortable. And, yeah. uh, and then, you know, you might get more opportunities in life to a small degree based on how you're presenting. Like if, if I, if I walk around with like socks and sandals hunched over, people are going to go, well, he's clearly fucked. Do you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Um, yeah, this is something that I teach everybody when um, I, I teach Muay Thai. It's one of the most important fundamental things. Like, stance is the pure foundation of everything that we do. Not just because, obviously, having a solid stance will help you support your movements. In the, in the metaphysical realm, it's the stance of self-hatred. <laughs> well, you can't be like that. And this is what's really amazing and paradoxical about my existence as a person, is that in my daily life, I'm always full of doubt and confusion and fear. 
but when I do anything, I um, and when I'm teaching, when I'm doing Muay Thai, when I'm doing anything, I'm really confident. I think that's and it's like, and I and I look at other people like if they're cowering or, or covering up or f- looking weird, it's like, oh no, you have to recorrect that behavior because it's it's not going to get you anywhere. But when I do it to myself, I can't listen. Yeah, I think it's it's easier to give advice than to take advice. Oh, sorry, it's easier to follow, give other people advice and help others sometimes than it is to help yourself or give you follow your own advice because yeah. you um. You know what I mean? You you don't know someone's personal history and what a complete failure they've been. So you have a an assumption based that oh they seem like a nice person, they're friendly, I'll do this as and you know, give them the benefit of the doubt, but you don't give yourself the benefit of the mm-hmm. doubt. So you have to trick yourself to treat yourself like you're some guy who just walked in. Oh god. <gasps> Sorry, we had a phone call. That was then. God saying, um, stop hating yourself. <laughs> You call me a cunt. God called you a cunt. I'm not calling anyone <laughs> a cunt. Me, obviously. I mean, I think it was a bit rude of him, to be honest. Yeah. Where's your civility, God? Well, he lost it when he lost his body. There's no ramifications when you're embodied, like disembodied, because yeah, when you're you. when you're an omnipotent disembodied being. Yeah. We should start a cult where people try and punch God. <laughs> I think that's a bit like Bill Burr's God or something about like women that never because you're not allowed to hit women they never learn to um, shut up shut up <laughs> right so God hasn't see the reason disasters and children are born with cancer happens is because we can't get back at God yeah exactly and we need to build a spaceship <laughs> to find where this cunt is and beat the fuck out of him yeah do you know what I mean because like I feel like people like, you know, the atheists, they're all like, oh, God doesn't exist, reason, Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins. I don't believe it. I think what's really going on is they're like a kid who was abandoned by their dad, and then they're upset, and, yeah. and, and they want they, they want to get back at God for not being there when they I were growing no up. Father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my mum raised me. Okay. Da- dad, my dad is dead to My me. dad doesn't even exist, mate. There's no evidence that he exists. <laughs> Yeah. So I think um, I think they're just upset Daddy abandoned them. Yeah. I think I think I think atheists are upset that God hasn't been there for them. Yeah. They do. <laughs> they really good. And I feel that um, you know what 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 happens is um, you know sometimes they'll they'll find God and they'll be like where were you? I was like well I need you needed to grow up on your own. Yeah. It was a lesson, didn't you see? <laughs> I'm everywhere. Fuck you, Dad. <laughs> Fuck you, man. The ultimate manipulator. Yeah. I want- you imagine if your dad like came back and he was like, I left you and your mum for a lesson. Yes, yeah, so that, that was to you teach could learn. you. To, I, I, I wrote some shit down. There was some <laughs> tips in the thing. Hey, hey, yeah, there was a lot of crazy shit in there. I'm not a perfect dad. <laughs> All right. There's some fucking goofy shit. <laughs> Shane, do you know how to make your own dinner? Yes. Yeah. Well, would you have done that if I was here? Making it for me. <laughs> That's oh. true. That's true. Give me a hug, Dad. <laughs> you know how to put your pants on? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see, do. God can't be there doing it all for you. No, you got to figure it out on your own. And then when you die, you get like a bunch of virgins and a pile of clouds. And see, the worst part is when God said He was disappointed in me. <laughs> That's the worst part. <laughs> It's like, fuck you, God, you weren't even there for me. (laughs) 
Fuck you. How dare you? Well, that derailed. I don't think it did. I think that's exactly... The direction that it needed to go. I think that's exactly what is underlying a lot of this. Yeah. It's the lack of God. Is that what this is, Shane? Am I, think, I, I think, with self-hatred well, I, I because think, I, I don't have God? I think it's like God, you don't know what God wants you to do, so you've got too many possibilities. And you need a firm, strong, father-like, omnipotent being that created the universe to, yeah. to help aim you. Yeah. And so you know what to do. If only there was like a group of people that understood what God wanted. Do you know what I mean? Show like, me. You there, know what I mean? There like, were some scientists who, like, because for ages people were like, nah, God's coming back. Dad's coming back. Mom said he's coming back. He's coming. Jesus is coming. Do you know what I mean? Like, Dad's Dad's coming back. He's, he's in the war. Mm. Like, he's done good shit for us. Like, that was the belief in Jesus or whatever. Yeah, and then yeah, there yeah. was some, like, humanity kind of grew up a little bit and then realized, like, Mate, He's these so letters were bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> He's like in, in the Bahamas. Like yeah, like, like the Bible with the, the, the letters or whatever. And it's like, what? Like, God, Dad's full of shit. He's not even real. And then they got real cut. And then no one knows what to do, right? And then, you know. Well, so then you just latch onto a cultural change. And you just replace it with something else. Replace you, you it with replace, a national identity. You or, replace it with a totalitarian ideology that can make you feel better about your failure. Mm. So you can um, justify um, dismissing the entire civilization based on the same kind of crimes that you would make if you were in the same position. Well, and the, and the crimes that you've made in your own life experience. Like, So this is the thing that I thought was really interesting. It's like, what was it that drew me to like punk rock culture when I was growing up and shit is that it, my personality just resonates with a kind of like insane you're not allowed to be anything other than this one thing and maybe like exactly like you're talking about like I needed a path that people would tell me like oh you're different be a different like us <laughs> and then exactly. you're like suddenly I've got a group of people that can be different just like me mm. and then we're all different in the same way and then well, if you're, that's what the anarchist phase was for me it yes was like, man it's like fuck this man I'm different and look at all these other people that you're are the same the same in the different way <laughs> and like and so then I was just it's an amazing thing like when we don't have you have to replace that self that like missing hole with something so you just oh, I've got to have a sense of identity and then that group is so self-critical. Of well, they're so humans. they're also self so self-indulgent. Yes, but it it's like so it's like it's not it's like narcissistic almost. Mm. It's like I'm too good mm. for this world. Well, it's the so further fuck the world. It's the further you get away from your shadow, like and further so further you get away from being able to admit that you're kind of a fuck up. Like in general, like we yeah, all are. Yeah, it's the complete opposite. It's the running in the other direction, and then you find a group of people who will validate that narrative, and you validate them, and you're living in a in a propped up bubble of delusion. Well, it's a mirror. Like, so if if there's a group of people that say this is the only way to live, and you have to live like this, and you're constantly reprimanding people for living outside of that group of ideals. So, like, as an anarchist, you have to do these things. Yeah, as everyone's, a punk rocker, you have to do these things. Outside of the value structure is evil. And like, so if it's you use that dumb. word, you're not allowed to say gay. You're not allowed to say whatever. So you've got all these like rules, and they're really easy to enforce constantly. And they, and so you're constantly and you can feel moral them. through um, relating to the arbitrary persona thing yeah so that so that works on like a group scale right in a social environment but mm. on an individual scale it's the exact same thing so this is why they the two of them perpetuate each other mm. is that you have a bunch of individuals that are too like 
burned or scared or damaged or whatever to go to their own shadow and see their own faults. Mm. So they really resonate with the idea that they can see faults externally mm. and call them out on other people because they don't want to admit their own. Absolutely. Right? It's so much easier to go that way. So it's so much easier to point out the faults it's in other It's blaming the crowd. It's blaming the room. Mm. And so what I think, like, the biggest, like, fault that a human being can make, and this is probably why Jordan Peterson's picture makes me annoyed on the back of his book, yeah. is that it's a disassociation from, like, just the real nature of himself, the human. Right. Because it's a persona. It's a thing, like... And, and I just, like, I... I think the closest you can get in every aspect of your life to being authentic. the you that you are, authentic, is ideal to your own personal success, to your communications with other people, how you get along with other people, and then making it any direction you want to go to. Mm. And, and surrounding yourself with other people that are interested in being honest with themselves. Totally. And, and it's scary because, like, like, even just this conversation, like, I'm like, oh, fuck, I am a piece of shit. Like, you think that I don't have any self-esteem. So now suddenly in my head I'm going, oh, no, I don't have any self-esteem. Oh, I wouldn't say that. I was, <laughs> I was exaggerating for comedy effect. I think you've got some self-esteem, but I think um, I was just joking about you undermine yourself too quickly. Yes, man. And because of that, like, so, so I get this, like, idea that I have all these, like, insane thoughts in my head that are built mm. from patterns of thinking about this way all the time. But the more I talk about it, the more I see how ridiculous it can be. And also that you can, you can make light of it. You can fuck around about it. You can, like, with all of the things, when I fuck up in a fight and then, and I can't admit it at the moment, like, that I've been an idiot... And then later we can all sit as a group and laugh about it. Mm. Like that's literally the ultimate human achievement, I think. To get to that closest point of authenticity that you possibly can every day. Like so my purpose in my life is to get closer and closer to not lying. Yeah, I think it's a great goal. Because in that way your your goalpost is constantly changing. Well, you're, you're, never you're able to update your model of being based on the most accurate information. Yeah. You're not like you know how people are like climate yeah. change deniers? Well, people realize um, that, 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 that being an ideologue or, or hating yourself or not adapting to the environment is like being a climate change denialer, <laughs> but in your own personal version. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, I'm going to keep doing this, mate. We're fine. It's like you are going to fuck yourself up. <laughs> you nah, are mate. It. Nah, it's going to be good. Well, we've been doing this for a long time now. Yeah. I appreciate your patience with my... Um, yeah, I thought it was going to work a lot better than it did, and it didn't really work out for me. Well, I've got one mic, isn't and now that we the story got to... of your life. <laughs> um, Just a failure. Uh, no, yeah, it's fine, mate. I thought it was fine. It's recorded. It's good enough. It's good enough. You aimed for the stars, and you got to the moon. Well, I got to the top of the tallest building. That's yeah. better than nothing. Just, just don't jump off. <laughs> Right. I didn't get to the stars, but I got to the top of the tallest building, <laughs> and then, and then the temptation to jump was the, the real challenge to resist. Um, you've got some comedy dates happening. You're doing the Melbourne Comedy oh, Festival yeah. next week, aren't you? Yeah. So what's happening in your world for the next I'm two months? I'm doing the comedy festival in, um, for pretty much all of April. Yep. And you can go to shanehunter at facebook.com, <laughs> S-H-A-Y-N-E-H-U-N-T-E-R, and see me do fucking jokes, um, and then and and combat my own neuroticism and stay focused. 
And then I will be in Sydney for all of May doing some gigs and trying to put on a solo show again. And your show is called Blaze Against the Machine. It is. It's about addiction, the war on drugs, and psychedelic psychedelics. And it's about those things quite loosely. Right? It's <laughs> sort of a vague, just around that in a general sense. Yeah. Well, awesome. Always good talking to you. Thank you for being here. God bless America. God bless America indeed.